cash. How do you pay these guys? Straight cash, homie. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Graff. Thrilled to be joined today by my colleague at The Athletic on the Vikings beat, Arif Hassan. This is our first episode, Arif, since the loss in San Francisco. So there is plenty to get into. Uh, but first and foremost, you just returned from Mobile, Alabama, where I and the other tens of thousands who followed you on Twitter followed your culinary venture uh, through the city and the state. Where does Mobile, Alabama, I'll be honest, when I think Mobile, Alabama, I do not think uh, food capital. And yet your pictures kind of made me jealous and want to go. Well, what was your takeaway from your time in Alabama? <laughs> well, I mean... The the primary takeaway is the food's pretty good. <laughs> wow, who knew? And it wasn't all fried and slathered in sugary barbecue sauce, it looked like. Uh, correct. Uh, the the final place I ate, Saucy Q's, which is kind of a, a senior bowl tradition, uh, that was a little bit more, more fried and slathered in barbecue sauce. Uh, as per tradition, but uh, the uh, the everybody who uh, who works for the athletic that was down there went to Felix's Fish Camp uh, for some really excellent seafood. Uh, admittedly, pretty fatty. Uh, <laughs> they they have like these sauces that are just like yeah, we blended some like crawfish with some cream. Enjoy. I'm like oh yeah no okay cool and it, it's delicious right. Um, Your accompaniments are butter or cream. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, and then also, uh, there's just like a fine dining at the at the the highest floor of what I imagine to be the tallest building in Mobile. <laughs> the fifth uh, floor. <laughs> I, I shouldn't make fun of Mobile. I hear it's great. It, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I was also surprised there was a building with 34 stories. So. Oh, wow. That is more than I would have guessed. I would have taken the under on that. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, I, I, I would have I would have pinned it at 22. Actually, I was way off. <laughs> so I've never been to the Senior Bowl. I think, like many people, I just know it as an event where you know college seniors go to try to make an impression in front of scouts before the combine. For people who have never been, what is like a normal day at the Senior Bowl? How worthwhile do you think it is just for teams evaluating these players as sort of a first chance since the college season ended? What is your view from 30,000 feet of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, well, it's kind of a bizarre experience because all these teams come down here and they just kind of intermingle uh, with, with everybody. And so uh, like the college seniors are just kind of um, walking around. They're not, like, hanging out. They all have, like, very strict schedules of, like, teams that want to interview them, psychological testing, other kinds of testing, uh, team meetings because they have to install the game plan for the week. Um They've got a pretty rigid structure, but, you know, from from somebody on the outside, it all looks pretty chaotic. Uh, and so you just see, you know, the the Heisman winner or something like that walking. Well, I guess not not in this case, but um, you, you just see, uh, you know, some of the some of the college football's biggest stars just kind of walking around uh, kind of nervous, actually, uh, hmm. looking around at like team scouts and stuff like that. Media is milling around. Um, and there's not really much separation. Like there's some areas that are like barred off from from the media, but for the most part, we're just kind of wandering around. There's like free Krispy Kremes and stuff. Um, <laughs> more more food content, by the way. Um, yeah. But in terms of how useful it is, I, I mean, the Vikings certainly think it's it's extraordinarily useful because they keep on drafting people who have attended the Senior Bowl at a much higher rate than the rest of the league. In fact, in the last two years, half of their draft picks have come from the Senior Bowls. In the last wow. five years, seven of their eight offensive line draft picks have come from the Senior Bowl. Uh, and so 
Uh, it, it provides a pretty invaluable framework for, A, getting a lot of interviews out of the way because now there's fewer interviews at the Combine because the interviews are longer. So you have to get all these interviews out of the way. Um, but second, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of players will be asked to do stuff that they uh, they haven't been asked to do. Really, it's it's kind of maybe not hellish, but just it's got to be obnoxious for somebody's really good uh, at what they were asked to do in college to go to the Senior Bowl because all they'll ask them to do is the stuff they were never asked to do. Right. Um, so. So wide receivers who've never played against press coverage will be playing up against corners who've also never played press coverage. Huh. Or, Interesting. Uh, yeah, quarterbacks who, who don't drop back from under center will be doing that all week. Um, that kind of stuff. Players will do positional changes, and it's really great for small schoolers going up against uh, you know people from Power 5 programs. So uh, you know, you've got your group of five school people there. You've got uh, sometimes FCS Division II. There's a Division three player there from St. John's, actually. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's pretty, it's a pretty great evaluative tool because it really kind of completes the picture in a way that you wouldn't be able to do just from watching like college film. Arif wrote uh, a mock draft off of the senior bowl, wrote about some of the players who could make an impact from the senior bowl for the Vikings. Uh, so to read that, to read everything that we've got at the athletic, we got John Krasinski. He wrote about Stefan Diggs recently, what the Vikings should do with him. Uh, remembering Chris Dolman after Dolman passed, there's Will be tons of Vikings content throughout the offseason at The Athletic. So to subscribe, if you are not already a subscriber, you can do so over 40% off at theathletic.com slash straight cash. Or if you mentioned the offensive linemen, and I think that's an amazing stat that seven of the eight offensive linemen they've drafted have come from the Senior Bowl. So given that and given what the Vikings are looking for, given you know their offensive scheme, what offensive linemen stood out to you, or who are some names that are they, that you think fans should uh, get to know as as the draft nears? Yeah, two of the names that I that I isolated the most in in the post Senior Bowl coverage, both in that mock draft and the the players who stood out piece. Josh Jones from Houston, you can play both tackle and guard. He's got uh, some pretty good athleticism, and most importantly, just seems to have a really great instinct for playing the position. Like his technique isn't always necessarily there, but he just kind of finds a way to win. Uh, and then Ben Barch, St. John's, uh, the guy from Minnesota, not just because he's from Minnesota, he had actually <laughs> genuinely one of the best weeks there. Um, really smooth. I, I talked to a couple of, of people down there, including some scouts, who were really impressed by what Barch could do. And it turns out he actually worked with Paul Alexander, who is now an offensive line consultant, used to uh, coach uh, offensive line for the Bengals and the Cowboys, uh, and and he coached like Willie Anderson, like he's got he's got a lot of um, you know uh, Pro Bowls under his under his resume. So uh, he coached Ben Barch, and and it's pretty evident that 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 he's ready to play. But for players that I haven't like talked about a lot in in those two pieces, um, I would take a look at Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, a guard that I thought performed really well. Um, you know, he's got kind of the requisite movement ability you want in the in the wide zone system the Vikings use, uh, and then. The LSU players, especially Damian Lewis and Lloyd Cushenberry, they don't strike me as as players that would necessarily fit the kind of athleticism-focused offensive line the Vikings have. But at the same time, Josh Klein kind of doesn't either, and there were moments this year where he was the best-performing offensive lineman. So um, taking a look at players that perform at a really high level despite not being perfect fits for the scheme, I would take a look at Lloyd Cushenberry and Damian Lewis, uh, who play center and guard. Uh, respectively. So there were a couple of players there that I thought, um, 
you know, had a lot of had a lot of potential for the Vikings. And then, you know, late round guys like Alex Taylor from South Carolina State. You know, if you ask him to play right away, you're going to get torched. Kirk Cousins is going to get hurt. You're not going to get anywhere in the run game. But um, he has the longest wingspan I think I've ever seen for a player, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, 88-inch wingspan, uh, the longest wingspan of any player in the draft last year, Ole Udo, actually, the Vikings drafted, um, whose wingspan is one and a half inches shorter, which uh, is the same distance between Ole Udo and the NFL average for an offensive tackle. Uh, So... It's why, and he uses it really well. He's got a pretty great instinct for using it. He just needs to learn how to play the position, um, which is asking a lot. But the tools are there, and he's got some instincts. So a lot of players on the offensive line that could uh, interest the Vikings that uh, probably would improve the offensive line situation for Minnesota. I can tell you've been doing your homework with just how fluid that was, Lloyd Cushenberry, and it just rolled off the tongue for you. You, you clearly <laughs> have been doing your homework. Uh, well, he's a, he's a fun name to say. Maybe I've said that name a little bit more just because it just kind of rolls around. <laughs> There's a ton that I want to get to with the Vikings offseason and the plan and what they're going to do with Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Harris Waynes, Alexander Rhodes, Griffin, Joseph. But since we're talking about prospects, let's just stay there for a moment. Uh, you and I are going to team up for a story the Monday after the Super Bowl, sort of an offseason primer looking at everything. And one of the interesting things that you get into there is why it would be not just viable for the Vikings to draft a defensive tackle in the first round, but perhaps even make a lot of sense. So uh, as a little bit of a preview toward that story, let's talk a little bit about that possibility. I think a lot of people, myself included, entered this offseason thinking, obviously the Vikings are going to either draft a cornerback because they could potentially be losing Waynes, Alexander, and Rhodes. So they clearly have a need there, or they'll use that first round pick on an offensive lineman since they, you know, for sure need a, a starting left guard and, and potentially, you know, even a left tackle, depending on what happens with Riley Reef. But you have mentioned this possibility of a defensive tackle. So I just want to give you the, the floor is yours. Tell us a little bit, pitch us on why it would actually make a lot of sense for the Vikings to draft a defensive tackle in the first round. Sure. Um, I, I used a fake math equation in the, in the piece that will end up getting published. I don't know how persuasive <laughs> that will be, but... Verbally? Uh, yeah, right. Everybody but, likes uh, math verbally. Oh, yeah. It's it's the best. It combines uh, everybody's favorite. <laughs> right. Um, no, uh, I, I think I think the uh, the case for a defensive tackle is is based on the fact that, A, I mean, the Vikings do need a defensive tackle. I don't think uh, anyone kind of disagrees with that. It's just kind of like the urgency of that need paired with kind of, you know, what's what, what has been bugging the Vikings over the past uh, two seasons. And so cornerback play has been a problem. Offensive line play has been a problem. It doesn't really feel like defensive tackle has been as much of a problem. But I would argue with Linval Joseph aging and, and the fact that the Vikings simply could not generate an interior pass rush this year uh, because they, they had to rotate at defensive tackle. They weren't satisfied with any of the three techniques they had next to Joseph. Uh, I think that you're facing a possibility where that can become a, a pretty big problem pretty quickly. And, you know, a lot of people were pretty upset with how the Vikings, especially in the latter stretch of the season, uh, weren't able to defend runs on like first down. Well, I think that this would be a big part of that. So, um, the problem is that cornerback is like maybe the most valuable position on defense. Uh, and so you have to balance out the fact that the Vikings have a lot of depth at cornerback. If the Vikings rolled out at the beginning of the season with Holton Hill, Mike Hughes, and somebody they re-signed, let's assume it's like Mackenzie Alexander or something like that because he's a little bit cheaper, um, then you're not 
panicking, I don't think anyway. Um, you're, you're in a much better spot. Then I think if you roll out with uh, Shamar Stefan and Jalen Holmes at defensive tackle, I think that's a bigger drop-off. And then at guard, you know, Pat Elfline is, is certainly not ideal, but that's a much less valuable position because you can always work around an offensive line um, in, in some ways. Obviously, the Vikings did their best. They ended up getting eighth in points scored, right, with, a, with an offensive line that people are worried about. Um, but it, it's still kind of a concern. The second thing is there's not really many defensive tackles in the draft. So if one falls to the Vikings in the first round, that's probably your best opportunity to upgrade that position, whereas later in the draft, I mean, there might be seven offensive tackles that could be worth drafting in the first round, and I'm guessing not all seven get drafted in the first round just because there's so many different team needs across the league. Um, And so we'll probably find some offensive linemen in the second round that'll be really valuable and be immediate upgrades for the Vikings, same with cornerback. I don't think that's the case for defensive tackles. So I think there's a lot of reasons to go. I don't think the Vikings, if, from a positional value perspective, could make a mistake by picking one of the three. The only mistake they can make is kind of, I think, an evaluation. Um, but in terms of positional value, I, I could see defensive tackle just as easily as cornerback, just as easily as guard, uh, just because um, there's. I think there's reasons to do any of those three. Yeah, we'll have plenty more draft coverage at The Athletic in the weeks and months to come. Uh, but first, Reva, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the offseason plan and, and what in the world the Vikings are going to do with with their little cap space. Uh, but first, the Straight Cash podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. It all comes down to this, Super Bowl 54. Who's going to be hoisting the trophy and spraying champagne when it's all said and done? I've got the Chiefs. We're going to find out a little bit later who Arif likes in that matchup. Uh, but for me, I, I think it will be the Chiefs that end their season on a winning note. And yours can too. This is your last chance to play fantasy football till next season with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Draft your single game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from Super Bowl 54. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code RUN will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at a million dollar payday. Get in on the Super Bowl 54 action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter code RUN during sign up. For a limited time, all new users will get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code RUN and get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel at any time. So if you're struggling with ED... Go to GetRoman.com slash cash for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
That's GetRoman.com cash for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, Arif, the off-season plan. Uh, I think that this is, you know, for an off-season in which the Vikings don't have a lot of salary cap flexibility, I think this is about as interesting as an off-season as they can have given that, in part because they've got their quarterback that they have built things around uh, entering the last year of his fully guaranteed three-year contract. They've got their secondary, which struggled. Uh, three of the, you know, say starting five or six of them are free agents. One of them, Xavier Rhodes, is a guy who you're probably either going to cut or restructure in a major way. So there's a lot of changes that could go on. But first and foremost, I think what may be the most interesting, and I'm sure this is something that we'll get to in our Monday primer that people can read at The Athletic, what happens to Dalvin Cook? I think during the season, the consensus amongst fans and people is, of course, we're going to re-sign Dalvin Cook. Look at him. He's you know, one of the best five running backs. The Vikings are a running team. He fits the scheme. He is showing to be durable for the first time in his career. Why, why wouldn't you re-sign him? And now, you know, I think with uh, a little bit of time to reflect on it and look at the Vikings' salary cap situation, it, it's not quite as easy as that. So in you, you wrote a plan for if the Vikings want to go all in for 2020, build around Kirk Cousins, what can they do? And in that plan, you did not have them extending Dalvin Cook. So what are the Vikings' options when you look at Dalvin Cook? And if they do do a contract, is there any way that they can get cap relief or, or what kind of contract would you think they kind of look at for Dalvin? Yeah, so the nature of Dalvin Cook's current contract and any extension that you would sign would not be able to provide you with immediate cap relief in 2020. Uh, and that is one of the, I didn't even bring that really all that up in the, um, in the offseason plan that I wrote, but that's one of the major reasons that an extension for Dalvin Cook doesn't really do much for you. Like extending Kirk Cousins, you can convert some of his salary into salary cap, and that salary cap can then get prorated um, across you know the the length of the next contract up to five years, uh, and so you can split the impact of that cap cost and decrease the uh, the the cap hit of the most recent season, which would be 2020. Uh, for Dalvin Cook, that's not a possibility because he already has signing bonus uh, money that's prorated into the final year of his deal. Any additional signing bonus money will actually increase his cap it because almost all of his cap it currently is uh, prior signing bonus money. Right. And that's uh, and so super notable mo- for a team that has next to no space. Yeah, exactly. And so any Dalvin Cook extension um, would basically have to leave 2020 alone. So all you're doing is committing to Dalvin Cook, which I'm, I'm sure is fine. There's reasons you know, for and against that, and I, I think that it wouldn't necessarily be wise from a numbers perspective. But... From a cap perspective, from an accounting perspective, there's not you can clear up maybe five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> by uh, you know giving him a league minimum salary, but uh, and not giving him a signing bonus. But the problem there is now you're asking a player to have no take home pay for an extension, <laughs> make eight hundred thousand dollars for a year, and yeah, sure, the rest of it is fully guaranteed. If he gets injured, he's going to get a windfall, maybe twenty seven million dollars. Doesn't really matter. But I mean, he, he essentially get that's to have not going to happen. Now. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's nearly Vikings, impossible extend Dalvin Cook, they're going to have some sort of increase in the 2020 cap at a time when they're already projected to be over the cap and you're already going to have to make some cuts. So just, I think that's something worth noting and and keeping in mind is that, 
if you re-sign Dalvin Cook or extend Dalvin Cook, you're going to have to make sacrifices elsewhere. So let's look at where else they can make sacrifices. Um, I think the obvious spot is in the secondary, you've got Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander who are pending free agents as soon as the new league year starts and Xavier Rhodes, who you can save more than $8 million by cutting. If the Vikings do extend Dalvin Cook, how could you go about saving some of that money? And when you look at that cornerback spot, who would you feel like the Vikings most need to keep? Yeah, well, so this is kind of the point of the salary cap, right? You have to make these decisions and, and you have to make sacrifices in order to, uh, you know, craft the team that you want to craft. And yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, cutting Xavier Rose to save, you know, I think it was $8.1 million in cap space. That's a big part of it. We mentioned, um, you know, the four most likely candidates in the piece, um, you know, Riley Reef, who, you know, you've got the opportunity to either immediately restructure and, and save some money and force them into a one-year contract. That is just kind of a contract mechanism that exists. You don't really have to get them to agree to do it, although it's it's probably wise to. Um or you can, you know, extend him or cut him or whatever. Um, so he's an option. Everson Griffin's an option who, you know, is a player that performed really well, honestly. Uh, and, and it would be kind of a shame to, to try and find a salary cap space by cutting his pay. But that might be the best option, um, especially with Ofadio Denebo kind of playing maybe not well enough to, to demand a starting spot, to, but to push for a competition there. Um and uh, and yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of go down the list. Linval Joseph, I thought he played pretty well, but you know his contract is pretty onerous, and and you have the ability to kind of cut him or restructure him and find a way to move on. Um, we already mentioned Xavier Rhodes. Uh, there's also even the possibility, you know, Kyle Rudolph, uh, you know, has only half of his money guaranteed this year. If you cut him, you do save cap space. The problem then is you're basically relying on David Morgan to get healthy. Otherwise, you don't have three tight ends. Right. You know, I was super excited about Brandon Dillon in camp, but I don't know if I'm that excited. <laughs> um, so, Practice uh, squad excited. Right, exactly. Uh, and so I, I don't... There's just not a ton of opportunities, and that's one reason that I extended Kirk Cousins. You know, um, the problem, of course, there is you know with an extension for someone like Linval Joseph or Everson Griffin to reduce cap hit or Kirk Cousins is that now you're putting it into the 2021 cap, which co- should come as no surprise. That one's under a lot of pressure too. Another reason that the Dalvin Cook uh, extension would be tough. Um, so yeah, there, there are spaces where you can do it, um, but then you have to let go of either Trey Wayne's or Mackenzie Alexander or both. Um, you presumably want to bring Anthony Harris back, and so you'd end up with the highest-paid safety tandem in the league, which, you know, makes sense. They're, they may be the highest-performing safety tandem in the right. league, too. Um, but that's kind of where you are. If you have to choose to bring one of those two back, I would say Mackenzie Alexander is the one you want to bring back, if it's possible, if he's willing to come back. Uh, you mentioned that it was pretty clear that he was a little bit disgruntled about being forced to play in Week 17 when all the backups were playing, which is a pretty clear signal by itself, but also uh, generally being disgruntled about not being allowed to play outside. And and playing outside is super valuable, which is the reason that Trey Wayne's contract is going to be higher right, exactly. than Mackenzie Alexander's contract, despite the fact that Alexander, I thought, performed better last year. Um, yeah, that but whole, also, even just that scenario, yeah. looking at those two players, is, is so fascinating because you know that Mackenzie Alexander has always looked at Trey Waynes and was like, I could do that too. This guy's going to make more money than me. He's not playing as well as me. And yet everybody knows that Waynes, because he plays on the outside, is going to get more money. 
Um, so on the one hand, part of me thinks Alexander might be like, F these guys, I'm out of here. Come free agency. And the other part of me says, you know, it's fine to be disgruntled in week 17. And when you have to have surgery and stuff at the same time, if the Vikings come calling with multiple millions and and more than anybody else, money often talks, but yeah, that situation is, is one that I think is going to be fascinating to follow. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's so many pieces in play just with those two. Um, yeah, I, it, it, it's tough to figure out. The truth of the matter is Mackenzie Alexander is super valuable for the Vikings because they just don't have slot-capable players. Um, they have a bunch of outside corners. They've got, like I said, you know, Holton Hill, and, and Mike Hughes can play both, but that's kind of it. And then you've got Chris Boyd, who I wouldn't necessarily trust for a full-time role, but is like some pretty fascinating, uh, you know, a developmental piece that they have. Um, at least that means you've got some players on the outside if you don't, if you cut Xavier Rhodes and 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 don't re-sign Trey Wayne, super thin, not a great situation, not ideal for sure. But you just don't have anybody in the slot, uh, and right. so uh, so Mackenzie Alexander's in this weird spot yeah, where he point. plays, yeah, a nominally less valuable position, but also just because of the nature of the roster, is right. way more valuable to the Vikings. The Vikings would have to go presumably get some relatively cheap veteran, right, or draft somebody, but at the same time, there's a reason that Trey Waynes didn't see the field right away when he was a rookie and just drafted by Mike Zimmer. Same for Mackenzie Alexander. Like It's a hard thing to do in a Mike Zimmer defense to be a rookie corner getting ample playing time. So I don't know. That that nickel situation is quietly probably one that people are not talking a ton about, but I think is one that is not just going to be interesting to see how it shakes out, but one that's incredibly important to the team next season. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know how else you would resolve it. Like you said, it takes a while. Uh, to get a rookie up to snuff. It even takes a while for free agents. I mean, remember when Captain Munderland was here, his first year on the right. slot was like really poor and Good he point. wasn't buying into the system and he didn't necessarily know everything. The only like free agent that seemed to to play well from day one was Terrence Newman. And like, well, of course he knows <laughs> <Right>. the system. <laughs> so <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the concern. Like, I, I don't know what you can do. Maybe you bring uh, Darkest Denard from the Bengals who... I can't imagine is going to uh, command the salary that Trey Waynes is going to command, but that's still not a slot player. Uh, I mean, he he played in the slot, I think, a lot last year, but I don't really love him there. Um, maybe you, you're just kind of forced to do that, uh, and so that kind of resolves that whole, that's not ideal, but that's an option because he could play right away and he knows the system. Um, plus, he's got a relationship with Durante Jones, the the new defensive backs coordinator um, or, yeah, or position coach. Um, or maybe Chris Harris. I don't know. He's played in every system, and he he still has it. You know, he's thirty two. I think um, he he plays really well in the slot. You know, the Vikings are are used to bringing in kind of these these uh, these older free agents at cornerback, and they find a way to kind of continue their career. So um, that's an option. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's not great. Uh, I, I don't think that the Vikings would do this. I think that they like Mike Hughes on the outside and, and every indication has been that that is the case. But if it were up to you, uh, a reef slash head coach slash, you know, you're the Houston Texans apparently, and you get calls on both ends. Uh, if it's up to you, would you consider if you've got, say you return Trey Waynes and maybe Holton Hill on the other side, would you consider putting Mike Hughes in the nickel because he can do that? Or would you say, you know, you're going to be more valuable long-term on the outside. So we're going to keep you there, Mike Hughes, even if whoever that is in the slot is not as good as you would be. Yeah. You, you might need to do like, if you, especially if you're resigned, you might need to do that. Um, you could basically 
create a system, and, and the Vikings have done this in the past when they had Antoine Winfield, who was a good enough starting corner on the outside that he was the starting outside corner. And then in nickel situations, they would bring in an outside corner and move Winfield into the slot. Um, you could do the same thing with uh, with Mike Hughes, um, where he primarily plays on the outside, and then in nickel situations, which is more common now than it was when Winfield was with the Vikings, uh, he moves inside to the slot. And that way, he's still playing a 1,000 right. snaps a year. Um, and he's still very valuable for the Vikings. Um, you you would obviously have to have to cut Xavier Rhodes for that because there's no way you sign Trey Waynes and then you know have him play 700 snaps a year. Um, but yeah, you could you could have Mike Hughes play in the slot on nickel situations and have like say Holton Hill on the outside, and then Mike Hughes plays on the outside in in base defense. So that's a possibility. I don't think it's 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 outside the realm of of likelihood. So you could do that. Um, you still have to find uh, someone to play backup slot, um, but it that might be the best way to kind of resolve. If if Mackenzie Alexander is, you know, not just not willing to sign with the Vikings and wants to find a job where he can earn an outside role, you know, that's that's your opportunity. But then, of course, you, you're devoting more money to Trey Wayne's. I think in my it's been a while since I published it. I think in my off season plan, I brought both back. So yes, you certainly did. it is possible. Yes, yeah, so yep. certainly it is possible. Uh, you have to really put the screws on the 2021 <laughs> cap to do that, right. but it is possible. And uh, and risk a holdout from Dalvin Cook. But other than that, it is definitely <laughs> other possible. Than that, yes. <laughs> uh, the so that I, I think that's sort of an interesting thing that they could play with, and you know it would be a lot for Mike Hughes, but I think he's also shown that he could be capable of it. Uh, the other part of the secondary I want to get to with you is is Anthony Harris. Um, on the one hand, as you mentioned, it is probably a little bit weird to, you know, pay two safeties as much money as retaining both Harris and, and Harrison Smith would um, have you do. But at the same time, Anthony Harris, you know, for as good of the breakout season was last year when he did it in eight games, I think you could argue if not, he was just as good this season. He was even better. So there's there's little question that he is a top five safety in the NFL. Um, uh, you, you mentioned in your story that he's probably going to command maybe around $13 million a year on the open market. Perhaps the Vikings could get him for 10 or 11 if they really got a discount. But um, would you have any concerns with paying two safeties as much money as that would command? And I think the other part of it is, of all of the Vikings' free agents, I think Harris is viewed as the most likely to return. Um, do you agree with that? So those two questions for you. Yeah, um, I think it makes sense for the Vikings. So the the old kind of understanding of, of positional values that the further away you are from the ball, the less valuable you are. And we found that to just not be the case in the modern NFL based off of kind of the way teams perform when they experience drop-offs and play at particular positions. Um, and, and I think Vikings fans can kind of agree that, hey, they were pretty great up front. They, they did not have uh, super solid coverage. Um, you know, we, we can see that the further away you play from the ball, you know, you can still provide uh, substantial value, maybe even more value than you typically would. And it is difficult to find kind of a safety tandem as talented as the Vikings, uh, which is why, you know, you would want to pay them, you know, the, the that requisite value. Uh, the thing for the Vikings is, and we, we actually even see this in the draft, you know, Derwin James went pretty high and, and some other safeties have gone pretty high pretty recently. Um, the thing for the Vikings is those two safeties, uh, specifically Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, are so versatile in what they can do and, and are such great playmakers that they basically decide the alignment and structure of the defense in a way that you don't really see 
uh, in other systems. And so in some ways, Anthony Harris is more valuable to the Vikings than he is elsewhere uh, because of, you know, his system fit with the Vikings and what they do with the defense. You know, I've always said that the reason that the Vikings overpay Anthony Barr is because he's critical to the scheme. And, and that's still the case. But the way that the Vikings kind of align their safeties, you know, creates such confusion for the way that protections are set up, the way that teams identify and diagnose, um, you know, coverages, the fact that both of them have tremendous range means that you can show basically no single high, no safeties up high pre-snap and end up with two safeties up high post-snap. And that's just so confusing for opposing quarterbacks that make their decisions based off of the coverage shell that they see. When your safeties can play in any coverage shell from any alignment, that's just remarkable value just in terms of the way that you design a defense. So that, I think it does make sense to, to pay uh, Anthony Harris that much. And uh, I think that he provided so much back-end support for really subpar cornerback play. Right. I don't think That's you can point. expect – right. I don't think you can expect high-level cornerback play next year, so let's get the safety, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that that's what you need to do. And then I think the, the second part um, – you know, d- does it seem like that Harris is the most likely to resign among all the free agents? Yeah, I mean, like aside from like CJ Ham or whoever. Yeah, I, I think so. I think of the of the high value free agents, uh, Harris is is kind of the most obvious get for the Vikings, just because his cost makes sense for the Vikings. I don't know that Trey Wayne's cost does. And uh, as far as we know, he doesn't really have an outstanding beef with the Vikings organization. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I, I do want to get a Super Bowl prediction for you. I do have the Chiefs. It's a bit of a public pick, and that part of it scares me. Um, we, you and I saw firsthand, and Vikings fans, you know, all watched how good that 49ers defense is. Shanahan, I think, is is an outstanding coach, clearly one of the best five in the NFL. So uh, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll probably be more low scoring than people think I would take the under. I think it's around 54, 54 and a half points. Um, but I have a really hard time picking against Patrick Mahomes right now. He and Tyreek Hill, I, you know, I, I think the 49ers could have him bottled up for a lot of it. And then they would just, they'll make some sort of crazy explosive plays. And so I'm going to have a hard time picking against the chiefs right now. Reef, what are your thoughts on the game? Everyone I know has been picking the Chiefs, which makes me wonder why they're exactly. only like one and a half point favorites. Uh, I, I got but yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs too. Seventy-five percent of the money right now is on the Chiefs, so I don't know if that means sharp money is you know all the experts are taking the Niners or what. But it actually scares me how many people are on the Chiefs, given that I'm also on the Chiefs. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's trust the wisdom of the crowds for the moment. I'm taking the Chiefs. <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's a quarterback driven league. I know how great that 49ers defense is and can be. Um, I also know that defense tends to be a little bit more unpredictable, a little bit more volatile. Um, and if a team needs to dig themselves out of a hole, I don't think the 49ers defense can do that. Um, they can maybe create some holes. They can't dig them out of a hole. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes can, right. And the, the, you know, the converse of that is I'm not sure I trust Jimmy Garoppolo to do that anytime, right. you know, he's made mistakes over the past couple of weeks. They just kind of shut him down and they were in a position where they were able to do that. They didn't have to throw the ball. Um, so when they're in a position where they have to throw the ball, I don't know if I'm trusting the guy that has a league average uh, interception rate, but also throws deep less than every other quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to like knock him too much. He's obviously played well to get here, but I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. So right, I'm exactly. taking him. The Chiefs defense has improved pretty substantially over the past couple of weeks. It's not a huge concern for me. Um, Tyron Matthews, amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll take, um, I'll, I'll take Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. 
Yeah, that, that was uh, basically what it came down to for me. It was like, don't overthink this. Don't pick Jimmy Garoppolo over Patrick Mahomes. Uh, sometimes you just got to go with the best player on the field, and, and that's Patrick Mahomes. So uh, thank you very much, Arif. That will do it for another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. Stay tuned, as always, to The Athletic for lots more coverage. We've got, it feels like, a dozen people in Miami for the Super Bowl. You can read that. And then uh, me, Arif, John Krasinski on the Vikings. It, it'll be a fascinating offseason, and, and we'll be along uh, to cover it the rest of the way. If you haven't yet signed up, you can do so over 40% off at theathletic.com slash straight cash. And as always, thank you for listening to the Straight Cash Podcast.